0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. Merry Christmas, as we were so wonderfully welcomed earlier. And also, Happy uh, Thanksgiving, because, you know, that's still a thing. So, that we celebrated last week. Uh, I hope you guys had a great time uh, with family and friends. We spent uh, our Thanksgiving with uh, some friends here from the church, and we had a wonderful time. Uh, I got to cook the turkey which I'm very proud of. got to smoke it, and it was wonderful, if you're all wondering. Um, but Lindsay and I, we love, uh, we love cooking for others. Uh, that's one of those gifts that, especially Lindsay, she is a phenomenal cook, uh, that we can bless others with. And so we love doing that, uh, love welcoming people into our home, being hospitable. Um, plus, it's something Lindsay and I get to bond over, which is great. So... So, uh, the past eight weeks, uh, we have been going through uh, this series that we call The Heart of Christ, Um, and we've been loosely following this book by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly. Um, I know some of you have been reading along and keeping up with us on our blog with it about and what chapters, uh, you know, to follow along with each week, and this book has just been such a massive blessing to myself. I hope it's been a blessing to you guys as well. Uh, So... Learning about the heart of Christ, who he really is. We learned about his goodness. He's a friend of sinners. He's meek and lowly and gentle. Um, His otherness, his holiness apart from us. Um, And today, uh, I get to speak and preach and teach you guys about the mercy of Christ. Uh, And we're going to be going through... Probably my favorite passage in the Bible, which when, when Derek gave me the chapters we're looking at, you know, one of them was Ephesians 2, specifically 4 through 8, but 2, 1 through 10. Um, and I'm thrilled. I'm really excited. Uh, and so, you know, every single week we're taught, you know, that the gospel is that God res- rescued sinners like you and me through the life death. And resurrection of Jesus Christ. We all know this. We hear this every single week. Um, and so, this passage that we're going to go through in Ephesians two really outlines what this is. It outlines the problem of sin. It outlines the plan, the solution for sin. And then it also, what we're going to focus is what we're going to focus on today is the reason, how all of this lays out how how Jesus Christ came here and why he did what he did through who God is. And we're going to take a look at that through Ephesians one, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 today. So let's open our Bibles. Uh, Ephesians is one of the letters of Paul to the early churches. And this was the church in Ephesus. Uh, so hence the name Ephesians. Um, and this is the second chapter. In the book. So if you'll read along with me, whether in your Bible or on your phone app or iPad, and this is how it goes. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sense of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, that's what we're going to focus on today, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, uh, this last week, you know, we looked at we had the holiday of Thanksgiving, and that sometimes reflects us towards being thankful for those things that you have blessed us with. Uh, and Lord, as we look forward to this Christmas season, as we are celebrating and worshiping the coming son, your son Christ, so God, we thank you for him. And today, I pray that I am faithful to the text through what you have to show our church, faith church, through me, and Lord, thank you for this um, opportunity to do so. Pray all things in your name, amen. Okay, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, what a passage. I mean, that really gets me going. It is, like I said, my favorite, favorite passage of Scripture. There was... Um, A class that I took in college um, that the entire term paper, the whole thing we worked through was Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So I'm a little familiar with it, spending like half a year going through it. Um, So if this doesn't get you excited, spend some time this week looking through Ephesians 2. 2. Uh, If you need some context, look at chapter 1. That really leads us into 2 and then read into 3. Uh, Chapters 1 through 3 are kind of like part 1 of Ephesians, and 4 through 6 is like part 2. So, But if you're not excited, get excited, because I love it. Okay, looking at the mercy of Christ. Uh, So verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, nowhere else in the Bible is God described as being rich in anything. Only mercy. It says that in other places, that his mercy is great, that uh, his love is incredible, and that it's huge. But the only thing that says God is rich in is mercy. It is who he is. It's his character. It's his being. It flows out of him freely without him, without him even needing to think about it or try. He um, has an abundance of mercy It's never-ending, and it's overflowing, and he delights in pouring it out on us. So, But before uh, we get any further into the mercy of God, let's take a look um, why we need it and what mercy actually is so we have a good definition of it. Uh, So the Oxford Dictionary defines mercy, mercy as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who it is within one's power to punish or harm. So mercy is showing love, forgiveness, and kindness towards someone who doesn't deserve it. So let me, uh, let me give an example to wrap our heads around of what mercy is. Um, so a few months ago, I got to go hunting for the first time. Uh, Grant Stewart and his son, Austin, uh, graciously took me out. Um, I've been wanting to go for a long time when hunting, for 10 days, which was a long time, uh, and when you kind of backward engineer that, that means I left my wife at home for 10 days with a two-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, mercy. <laughs> mercy from Lindsay to me. But that's not even the definition, or that's not even my example so far, but that's a good one. Uh, so gone for 10 days, right? I get a text, I don't know, like day eight or something from her, and she's like, hey, we're getting a dog, (laughs) and so I'm six hours away, and she has a two-year-old and a one-year-old at home by herself with COVID, Um, and so I didn't have a whole lot of room to disagree, (laughs) we're just going to put that, we're just going to leave it there, Uh, so we got a dog, at the end of September, we got a dog, Um, she's great, it's great. Everything's great. Um, guys, this dog. <laughs> she has chewed through hundreds of dollars worth of everything. Um, boys' clothes, our clothes, uh, shoes, um, the molding on the wall. Why? Um, the patio furniture out front has some good shoe marks. The boys have this little trampoline out front that is you know, chewed up in one spot, which is cool. Um, She likes to eat grass, which is really good for a new lawn, I hear. Um, uh, But the worst one, and it was a little painful, is uh, my nice pair of golf shoes in the closet. She didn't go for like the $3 flip-flops. She went for the golf shoes. Um, Me not making her sleep outside is mercy. Just gonna leave that. to leave that there. So there's your example of mercy for today. She sleeps inside. Okay, she we're good to her. That is mercy. Okay, uh, let's get back to the text. So verse one through three uh, outlines the problem of sin. Uh, so let's take a look at it really quick. Uh, and you were dead. Let's stop right there. Um, Dead's not good. Um, You know, once you're dead, there's not a whole lot of options left uh, in your belt. Uh, But this is the word that Paul chose. You were dead. In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All right, Paul, well, thank you for that bluntness. If you read uh, any of his letters, he's usually quite clear. Um, and this one, he is incredibly clear. Dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Okay, well, you might be thinking, okay, I'm not that bad. Okay, I might lie every so often. Um, I might take a cookie from the cookie jar when my wife tells me not to anymore. Um, I didn't kill anyone. I didn't go to jail. I'm not that bad. I'll get back to the rest of these verses, but let's continue into verse 3, because Paul really wants to drive the point home. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Uh, No offense, but... I don't love being compared to the rest of mankind when we see what's going on in the world sometimes, uh, especially the past couple of years. I mean, we've seen a lot of people just overcome and unhinged with anger and frustration and malice and their very firm beliefs about, I mean, you name it, there's hundreds of things that we've seen lately How can Paul, how can the Bible, God's word compares to those people, right? I mean, I can understand that Paul had those people in mind, but not us. We're, you know, we're good good Christians. We're good people. But the hard part is, you were. And if you weren't, then the hope that comes in verse 4 doesn't apply to you. If you don't believe you are a broken, sinful person in need of life, then why do you need Jesus? Jesus didn't come to make us into a better behaved person. He didn't come to make dead people, or no, excuse me. He didn't come to make us better behaved. He didn't come just to heal people. He didn't come just to give them sight to the blind. He came to make dead people like you and me Alive. Not just perform miracles, not make lame men walk, not raise sick children from the dead or friends from the dead, like Lazarus, and cast out demons. He came to grab us from the grip of death because he loves us with a love we don't deserve and we can't comprehend. He knew where we were heading, right? The scripture tells us we are on a one-way track to hell without God. So Matt, still, I I don't think I'm that bad. Okay, but we're not talking about if you compare it to a guy walking down the street and he might trip on a crack and be like, oh, yeah, oh, well, I lied. Okay, it's not that bad. Let me ask for forgiveness. Everything's fine. No, Paul compares us to a disease-riddled, cancerous, and infected human being that there is no hope of life except through his son, Jesus Christ. There's nothing we could do. We were chained to sin. Our hearts were stone. Jesus came to turn those hearts into flesh and to love us and to give us life through him. Verse four, but God... Sometimes coined the biggest butt in the Bible. Uh, but seriously, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. <sighs> Praise God. Because even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We had no hope. We had no life. There was no end in sight to our suffering, to our pain, and to our brokenness. We were in desperate need of a Savior, even if we might not have known it yet. We deserved death, and we know that. But God had other plans. He saw beyond our sinfulness, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice for the sin that we were entangled in. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. So this this is an important concept that we need uh, to understand and to grasp. Um, Mercy is the outcome, the action of love. So love is this you know, concept that we all kind of understand. It's like, oh, you know, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my friends. But mercy is God's, is the action of his love. If it hadn't been made clear yet, which I think I did, would deserve death. You and I deserved it and nothing less, and we all know that God loves us. But what does love actually mean? How is it played out? How is it played out in his mercy? God's mercy was on display in the life of Jesus. How Jesus interacted and talked with people. How he ate meals with the outcast, the rich, the poor, the beggars, lame, weak, unqualified, and social rejects. He forgave the unforgivable. He made disciples out of fishermen, and tax collectors, and betrayers, and prostitutes. These were the people that society had decided you are worth nothing. You have nothing to give, you have nothing left. But God saw differently. God's mercy was on display on the cross through his son Jesus. God's mercy is constantly on display in our lives. Through saving us from a death that we deserve. The fact that we're no longer under the punishment of sin, the fact that we are no longer by nature children of wrath, but heirs to the Almighty King, that's mercy. That's rich mercy. That is unending, undeserved, unqualified mercy. There's nothing we could have done or could have possibly, or could possibly still do, that would get us. Into a right relationship with God the Father. And we know that if we take a look at verses eight through nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And here's the important part and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's clear that there's nothing we could have done, not because of our good behavior. Or following the rules—it's only because of God's love on display through His immeasurable mercy. So, going back to verse six, uh, really quick—we're jumping around just a just a tad—but uh, I want to make sure this concept is in our minds uh, quite clear, because I feel without it, um, doubt and worry can creep in in our lives, when things start to go poorly, when we're not listening to God's call on our life or obeying or trusting as much as we should, Satan loves to slip in there and start to be, are you really a Christian? Are you really, are you really someone who is actually saved by God through faith? So let's read verse 6. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. Let me make sure. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Sorry guys, they're working on it. (laughs) And raised us up and seated us with him. Okay, uh, let's work this out. We're going to fix it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think Michael got one. Awesome. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. My tech team's the best. They just know what to do all the time. Okay. Uh, so verse six. I'll read that again. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we are raised up with Christ in the heavenly places. And so if we take it back to the end of Matthew, the book of Matthew, and also take a look at the end of all the Gospels and the very beginning of Acts, we know that after Jesus died, he was dead for three days, raised again into new life, lived on the earth for 40 days, 40 more days, um making sure that he's catching up with all the disciples and, and the people who follow in him saying, I am, I'm back. I'm actually back and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to leave to heaven, but I'm going to send you my spirit. I'm going to send the Holy spirit to be with you for good. And so Jesus, after 40 days, ascended into heaven and seat and is seated, uh, at the right hand of God, the father in heaven. Um, And so we read about that just a few verses prior in Ephesians 1.20 about Jesus being seated at the right hand. So I'm going to read that real quick. Uh, That he worked out in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. So Jesus is seated next to God the Father at his right hand. Um, Since we don't have... Kings and queens and all that stuff anymore, especially in in uh, like Greek and Roman times. This is a concept that's a, that can be a little difficult to translate for us. Uh, but back then, what it meant was the person who was seated at the right hand of the king was given the same authority and power as he was. Um, it is a place of of royalty, a place of influence. And so the fact that we are told that that's where Jesus sits right now tells us that he has the same level of power and authority as God the Father does. As the second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, holds the same authority as God does. That's important. So if we're looking at verse 6, uh, we're said, and we are raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So to clear this up, we share in Christ's eternal life after his resurrection. Amen. To clear it up even more, there's nothing we can do to separate us from the salvation that Jesus gave, us, gave to us freely and from God's love, mercy, and grace. Okay, cool, we know that. Uh, so how does that apply to us right now? and I'm glad you asked. So this means that there is nothing so terribly awful or sinful or devious that you can do to turn away from the love and mercy of God. For those of us who are followers of Christ, God isn't going to retract his mercy or his gift of salvation just because you messed up one too many times. We don't have a track record that he keeps. It's like, oh well, you know, Matt's Matt's getting close to ten thousand. Once he crosses that line, you know, it's kind of in question. It's not how it works. You've been resurrected in Christ. In Second Corinthians five, seventeen, it says, The old has gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. You're literally changed. From dead to life. God, that, that doesn't change. And so in this book that we've been going through, Gentle and Lowly, uh, there was this quote in the chapter that I was going through this week. And I loved it. And it says, For God to de-resurrect you, to bring his rich mercy to an end, Jesus Christ himself would have to be sucked down out of heaven and be put back in the tomb. That's how safe you are. God's not going to undo what he did. It doesn't make any sense. And so don't think, based on that information, don't be so boastful, so prideful, that you think you can sin enough for God to say, eh, you know what? I'm just going to send, send Jesus back. This is too hard. This is too much. You're too much. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Trust me. You don't have that kind of power. So let's make that a little more clear. When you mess up as a husband or a wife and you might yell at them or get angry at them for no reason, or you might yell at your kids for doing something, even if they're two years old, you yeah, have a two-year-old and a one-year-old. I understand what that means quite clearly. Uh, Or if you yell at your dog, I don't know who would do that. Uh, Or you lose your job, you get a speeding ticket. Um, Or if we want to go really far and really bad, you kill someone. Like Paul did before he was saved on the road to Damascus. His job was literally to kill Christians, was to get rid of Christianity That's what he did. Or uh, we can take a look at King David. You know, he was perfect, uh, except for a lot of things. Uh, Specifically, in this case, sending someone to the front lines of battle so that you could have his wife. Um, Or refuse to go when called, like Jonah. Jonah went through a few things, including the stomach of a fish. Um... Or you're angry with a loving and just God, just like the Israelites right after being freed from 400 years of captivity. His mercy comes for you. It chases you. It won't stop. It won't give up. Let this be an encouragement to you. This is good news. This is also from the book, God is not tight-fisted with mercy, but open-handed, not frugal, but lavish, not poor, but rich. God is rich in mercy. And the other thing is, is this isn't a one-time thing to where, like salvation, you know, you are justified and you are right with God. And that's a one-time event. But his mercy doesn't stop right there with this mercy covering everything you did before you were saved, it is a continual process that doesn't end. We read in the Bible that his mercies are new every morning like the rising sun. He delights in giving us mercy. It is his joy to do so. This last quote is also from the book I don't think it's on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you guys. That God is rich in mercy means that your regions of deepest shame and regret are not hotels through which mercy passes through, but homes in which divine mercy abides. It doesn't end. It doesn't fail. It doesn't give up. Mercy is God's love in action. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, Lord, sometimes these words that are thrown around throughout Scripture, love, mercy, grace, they're great, they all sound wonderful, but when, when we get the opportunity to study these and actually learn what these look like And how they define your character. Lord, we thank you for that gift. God, we thank you for your mercy that it never ends, that it covers everything, that it continues to chase after us. It doesn't give up. You don't give up, God. And your mercy is constantly on display through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that has given us eternal life through you. God, just like that quote says, it doesn't just pass through our life. It lives with us. It makes its home with us. So God, whether we have had a fairly easygoing life so far, everything has gone pretty much according to plan and I've pretty much followed all the rules. Or I have made mistake after mistake after mistake a thousand times. Or I've made one massive mistake that is defined every moment thereafter. God, your mercy is there for us. So today, if we haven't welcomed that, Or if we haven't lived our life as if your mercy is overwhelming us, let us do that today. Because God, it frees us up to live a life after you. So, Lord, today, as we continue in worship, get to sing a Christmas song later, light an Advent candle, God, let us keep your mercy in mind. Lord, we love you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.